Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you for listening to the late breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the late breaking Formula One podcast. Sad times because this is the final preview of the 2019 season. I I can't quite believe we're there already. Um, The Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, of course, last up, only joined by Samuel Sage today. Sam, are you as sad as I am that this is all coming to an end for this year at least? Very, very sad. Can we just go back to two weeks ago and just do Brazil all over again? Because it was an absolute banger. It's a banger every single week, every single year. Um, Yeah, there's only the two of us. Of course, Mr. Reed is on his glamorous travels with his other work. So uh, just just us two to battle it out today in the uh, in the videos. And I know who's missing out. It's not uh, it's not us. All right, he's the one missing out. In this <laughs> um, yeah. So as well as the a preview for Abu Dhabi, we'll be talking about Robert Kubica. Of course, his final race. He's going to move. Um, he's rumored to move to Haas for next year in a development role. Um, but yes, his last race of his comeback season. We're going to be talking about the news that Red Bull and Honda are staying together for 2021. So a little bit more in the future than was previously. But we will start with the preview for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And who is going to be on top come the end of the weekend? It's been very close between the three teams in the last few races, at least very different from the beginning of this season. We've seen Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes claim the advantage at different circuits in this second half of the year. Sam, who do you think is going to have the advantage come the weekend? It's a really tough one to call. Abu Dhabi is such a bizarre circuit when it comes to its sector splits. And of course, you can't look past the absolutely colossal double straight down that back area of the circuit. You know, the the hairpin onto turn one, I think in terms of traction and getting up to speed, I think Mercedes and Red Bull are going to have the advantage. But obviously, top speed for Ferrari is just phenomenal. Then through that awkward chicane where we've seen both Jensen Button destroy his suspension on his final race. We saw Hulkenberg do an absolute barrel roll into the fence. Some real drama in that middle chicane. Again, Ferrari are going to be able to capitalise massively there. It's the first and third sector 
uh, as we say for so many of his races, that are going to really tell the difference. I think Ferrari with a much better shot than they have been in the last few races. Um, they've seemed to struggle a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be able to take the victory, but I think they're really going to be in the fight. It's going to be really close. I think Mercedes going into this one are actually the favourites. I think they're the more all-rounded car. And I think that back straight is actually going to hinder Red Bull a little too much as the third sector will hinder the Ferrari a little too much. So I think Mercedes have got the perfect balance ground. And I know that Hamilton and Bottas are now both going to take the W going into the new season and have kind of that mental advantage over the teammates for who can uh, who can take the championship for 2020. Ben, what do you think? Um, I'm actually quite worried for Ferrari. I don't think they'll be quite there with Red Bull and Mercedes, despite the fact that you have, like you say, the two very long straights. Um, the issue is Brazil. You've, you've got two long straights there, and, th- and that didn't serve them too well. Um, a lot will depend on whether that Honda power unit, it was a one-off in Brazil, in terms of it being pretty much as quick as the Ferrari power unit. Or, yeah, was that a one-off in Brazil or will that carry over to this weekend? I think that will largely tell us where Ferrari lie. And, of course, even when they do extract good pace from qualifying, Ferrari have really struggled to 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 get it going in the race. It, it's been a kind of a, apart from Italy and Belgium, where they were kind of on that little bit of a run, they were getting pole positions and then they were converting them into race wins. They're still qualifying fairly well but they're not converting that at all. And they're kind of falling behind the likes of Hamilton, Bottas and Max Verstappen. Um, So yeah, I'm a little bit worried for Ferrari because any advantage that they do get on those two straights, which is entirely possible. I'm not sure if Red Bull or Mercedes, I think they might just eat that away in that final sector. Um, It's deceptive, Abu Dhabi. It's a bit like Mexico in that sense, where you look at Mexico and you look at the two big straights and you think it's a power circuit. And it really isn't. It, it, that middle sector and the final sector at Mexico means that it's really difficult to get the setup right. And I think it's very much the same case at Abu Dhabi. Um, like you say, Mercedes very well rounded. Um, I saw a comment from Bottas after the Brazilian Grand Prix that their power unit was third best, which I think was correct at Brazil. I'm not, I'm not sure if that will be how it is going forward. But at Brazil, at least, I think he was right, in which case maybe they have something to be worried about. But with Mercedes, they're never down for that long. Um, And we saw Hamilton was still competing with Verstappen during the race. So I think they'll be fine. I think it's an important race for Red Bull. Uh, Out of all the three teams, I think it's the most important for Red Bull. We've seen them in terms of their competitiveness. They've been fairly good at the end of this year, as they usually are at the end. You know, Brazil, they're strong at that circuit. Mexico, they're strong there. And we've seen that same pattern emerge. Abu Dhabi is a circuit they've never been very good at. If they can suddenly win or at least be very competitive at Abu Dhabi, that is a statement of intent going into 2020. So I think it's a big weekend for for Max Verstappen, Alexander Albon and the Red Bulls. I think Albon, more than Verstappen, actually needs that boost. Obviously, he's going to be a tough run. He, He obviously got the great result. Well, possible great result until he collided with Hamilton on the final lap. But... He had an all right showing. People seem to think he did better than he actually did. He was almost gifting a podium and then taken out by Lewis on the final lap. But um, he was well off his teammate. His teammate comfortably claimed victory after two safety car restarts. And Albon was nowhere. I think Albon really needs to turn up the, you know, burn the wick a little bit in Abu Dhabi. Um, but what is encouraging for both Rebel and Mercedes, not so much Ferrari, is the race pace of those guys has always been so strong. It just consistently, week after week, they can just knock out consistent lap times, strong race pace. Ferrari seem to be struggling to get tyres up to levels. Uh, they can't get their rankings to work properly at the moment. They get stuck behind traffic easily a lot of the moment. Um, colliding with each other doesn't help either. 
Uh, but we even saw it in America a few weeks ago. Hamilton literally drove around the outside of Vettel like he was a backmarker. It was too easy when you're up against a possible championship contender. I think you're right. I think if Red Bull cut, maybe get a 2-3 or even scrape a wing, that is a real, um, real, real drive for what is the new season. Can they capitalise on this finally, this great run they always have at the end of the season, and maybe create a proper title challenge next season? I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see them all neck and neck. So, Maybe maybe Mercedes don't do well here, and we get Ferrari and Pogium on the uh, Ferrari and Rebel on the podium, and Mercedes are nowhere. That would almost be a sight to see around Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Mercedes have had a big stranglehold on Abu Dhabi uh, for the last few years, at least. Um, more specifically, looking at the drivers, of course, Ferrari are coming off a very difficult race at Brazil, um, where both cars collided with one another. Double retirement, which is that's the sort of error you can't really make when you're trying to beat Mercedes. Bonotto himself has come out and said second best isn't good enough. Um, and in many ways, they're even further back this year compared to the previous two years, because at least in 17 and 18, Vettel had a sniff of the championship this year, not been the case. Do you think Ferrari need that good result or at least a harmonious result between Leclerc and Vettel just to ease tensions? You know what? I don't. I don't think Vettel and Leclerc are the same as Hamilton and Rosberg. They both walked away from that silly accident and Vettel put his hands up and said it was his fault. They both said they're mature enough to let it go and move on. We saw the same kind of thing with Hamilton and Rosberg back in Spain. I'm sure you'll all remember that incredible moment. Max Verstappen, of course, went on to take his first ever victory in the first race in the Red Bull. Um, and that relationship, those were two best friends for a long period of time and it ruined it. Ego's going in the way. These two are at completely different points of their career. Leclerc still knows he's learning off Vettel, even though I'd say he's equal driver status. I think they just need to come into it again with level heads and try to do the best for the team, be a team player. And that's why Mercedes do so well. They have two very strong team players in the car. Um, I think they just need to continue that. Take it into the winter break, work together, use their expertise on both sides, you know? I don't think it's the same case as the Mercedes guys. I don't think it's the same case as Vettel and Weber either. I genuinely think that they're going to be all right. Whether they're going to be able to develop a car together to challenge the front runners for the whole season, Vettel hasn't managed to do it for the entire time he's been in that Ferrari. I'm not so sure. So I'm more worried for the general team performance than I am for the relationship between the two drivers. And I think we've referenced this before that Ferrari don't have time for an intra team battle. When you're so far in front like Mercedes were in 2014 and 2015, it really didn't matter that Hamilton and Rosberg were at each other's throats because you could afford the odd DNF here and there where maybe one took the other off the circuit because you know in the next four or five races, you're just going to make that back again. There was such a dominance from Mercedes. Ferrari, let alone dominant, they're not even the best team. So they can't really afford that at the moment. Of course, Abu Dhabi, the final race of the year it can mean towards the end of the year that uh, the approach to driving from a few guys can be a bit different. Of course, Australia, Bahrain, the first few races of the year, you're generally more conservative. You've got the whole season ahead of you, getting points on the board early. That That's kind of the mantra. Now we're heading into Abu Dhabi where some guys don't have a lot to lose. Are you looking out for anyone in that sort of midfield or towards the back of the grid who might, who might just go all guns blazing? Well, Hulkenberg for a start. It's his last hurrah in Formula One. And I am VV sad that the Hulk will not be on the grid next season. Um, of course, many other motorsport 
classes out there that he is more than welcome to join and probably going to be one of the top tier if he does join it. Of course, he is a Le Mans winner. Uh, he's a junior category winner. Never quite amounted to an F1, but he's one of the staple names in Formula One at the moment. Um, I think he's on a mission to go, look at me. I'm still a really solid race driver. Come pick me up. DTM, of course, very German-centric. He'd fit in brilliantly there. Um, IndyCar, a lot of F1 drivers having success there. Why not go back to this new hypercar class that's been made, which is replacing LMP1, which I am super excited to start watching as well. That's going to be great. And, of course, the uh, assurgence of Formula E. That's done really well recently. It's picking up more and more press, bigger names. As they love to talk about every single race, the most constructors out of any uh, motorsport series going. So he's got leaps and bounds ahead of him. He's got opportunities to grab for. He just needs to show off that one final time. And I generally think that realistically, he's going to do it. Otherwise, we might see Hockenberg's career really subside. Is there anyone else I'm really looking forward to? I think Bottas needs to really kick it up a notch going into the next season. Albon's another one. And maybe the Haas guys. I'd like to see Haas come out with one final hurrah. Otherwise... I don't know how they're going to be. We'll discuss Kubica later on. I think that's a fantastic signing, actually, for next season. But I would like to see both Grosjean and Magnussen really kick on and maybe try and attack the points, if possible. Not just give up when it gets a little bit tough. How about you, Ben? Anyone on the radar? I mean, box office Magnussen is box office as it is. Super aggressive. And that's when he doesn't necessarily need to be. This he can just go for it. There's, there's nothing that Haas can lose. Haas are going for a full reset in 2020. They're, they're just going to pretend 2019 did not happen and come into 2020 like, oh, OK, yeah, we just lost to Renault last year, which was 2018. Uh, and here we are in 2020. There's no number between those two. right? <laughs> um, I actually think that's how they'll approach it. So maybe both Haas guys will just absolutely go for it this weekend um as you say Hulkenberg has very little to lose and actually he has a he has a lot to gain um even though it is pretty much cemented now that he won't be on the grid next year um, unless he finds his way into that Williams seat which no disrespect to Williams might not be better than not having a seat um Hulkenberg if you look at his last few years suddenly they're starting to look much better he had that sort of he had that run against Perez back in Force India where he wasn't quite at Perez's level. It was competitive, but Perez just had the edge. Now, if you look at his last few seasons, he's right there with Daniel Ricciardo this year. There hasn't been much in between them at all. And remember, Daniel Ricciardo is a solid driver. I mean, he matched Max Verstappen over a few years. He beat Sebastian Vettel in their first season together, uh, their only season together. Um, and look at last year, he beat Carlos Sainz, which last year seemed like, OK, this is a solid result, fair play to him. Look at how well Sainz has done this year. And suddenly that win looks more impressive. So I think people will take note. And it's not completely out of the realms of possibility that Hulkenberg beats Ricardo over the season. I think he'll need a really good result in Abu Dhabi, but he's been right there. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the guys I would definitely, definitely look at. Bold predictions. 21st race of the year. They've got to be the boldest out there. What have you got? This is really difficult to try and come up with something as outrageous as we have done so far. I think there will be five different constructors in the top five. Wow. I mean, that that is very bold. Hey, you've got to make it bigger and better than we ever have done. Last race of the season. Five constructors in the top five. So, I mean, that means the likes of maybe Bottas, Leclerc and Albon aren't going to make it. And then you've got 
maybe signs and Ricardo. Wow. Who who says it's Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull? Who knows? <laughs> maybe Robert Kubica wins in his last race. Williams P1, Alfa Romeo P2, Haas P3, Grosjean on the podium with uh with with Hulkenberg in P4 and uh and Giovinazzi P5. And if anyone in the comments wants to know what Sam has been smoking tonight, I don't know, <laughs> but it's strong. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go quite as bold as that. I'm going to say that Haas are going to be so slow that both Williams guys will out-qualify both Haas guys. Oh, that hasn't happened in literally existence. I think... I think... So... so even so will qualify both of them I, I just I can't I, sorry but I mean you just said mine wasn't bold I no it's not going to happen Ben it isn't going to happen you've made up well I, I thought I might as well go really bold on the final one well if it happens maybe we'll do something bizarre who knows bear in mind that we've got to go like four months without doing a bold prediction now so I've, you know, it's been stored up, ready to go. Got to go really bold. I start doing it in my everyday life. You know, Sarah from accounting is going to have three sugars today. Just can't help it. That is bold from Sarah. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, enough about Sarah from accounting. <laughs> Poll one, two, three. Sam, we, we know they're going to be three different constructors, but who are they? So I believe Lewis Hamilton will claim back a pole and not let Valtteri Bottas beat him in the pole fight they'll end on equal terms which fair play to Bottas is still a fantastic achievement um I think Hamilton will go on to win the race now everyone hold your hold on to your horses oh god I think that Carlos Sainz will be in second place oh wow I think that Max Verstappen will be third I think that Charles Leclerc will be fourth and I think that Hulkenberg will be fifth so that's the full top five there so after Sainz's first career podium, McLaren's first podium in five years, they're going to get another one. It's going to yeah. be consecutive podiums and they're going to go one better. Yeah, I think there's going to be so much carnage on the track that people are going to have to be evasive. There's going to be safety cars. It's just going to be a full, you know, elbows out free for all on the final race. I mean, after Brazil, that would mark a very good end to 2019. It's about um, time, Abu Dhabi. It's about time. I am going to go with pole position. I think Charles Leclerc is going to get pole. But I think Ferrari are going to fall away on Sunday. So I'm going to go with a Verstappen win. I'm going to go with Bottas in P2. And I'm going to go with Hamilton in P3. That's interesting. The fact that you think Max is going to win it at Abu Dhabi. Two races in a row as well. That'd be great for Max's end of season. I I believe in the Bulls. Don't we all? I think that's our hashtag for this episode. Hashtag believe in the balls. Well, we might as well stick with Red Bull um, because, of course, the news has come out that Red Bull and Honda have extended their partnership until the end of 2021. Um, So that will take them into the new era of Formula One. Um, I mean, first of all, who would have thought that this that sentence would have existed, say, two or three years ago, that Red Bull are going to stay with Toro, are going to stay with Honda? It's just crazy. Um, so, Sam, do you think this is a good move from from Red Bull's perspective? 
What I am confused about is how short the extension to the contract actually is. Yes, I think it's a brilliant move. I don't think Red Bull's really got anywhere else to go unless they bring in a new constructor. They're not going to go back to Renault, not a chance. Um, they're never going to get Ferrari engines, and they're never going to get Mercedes engines. So unless they brought in, I don't know, a Ford, a Chevrolet, a BMW... Aston Martin. Uh, well, do Aston Martin make their own engines? I'm pretty certain they're made by BMW. So, I mean, I, that's for you actual petrol heads out there that don't just watch Formula One. Um, my point is, 2021, that's only an extra year. You, if you want to commit to an engine, uh, is it Honda that have put their foot down and gone, uh, we don't know, if we, we can't take another, another massive hit to our legacy that is Formula One. I wonder if they're all a little bit tentative, see how it goes, and if it's an absolute disaster for either one of them, they're going to go, right, you're out, get it quick, bye, see you later. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that they've signed an extension. It's great to see Honda up at the front. I'm really glad that Honda are with a big team. I'm glad that they're now succeeding, and the, the engine is clearly good. It's getting better. It's not miles off the pace like it used to be. So a great move from Red Bull and Honda alike. Very confused as it only being one year. Maybe, Ben, you'll have a different opinion on that. I, I can understand it, but at the same time, it doesn't read too well if you're Honda. Um, ultimately, they, they're just trying to avoid a situation where they get into 2021. Honda is not good enough compared to Ferrari, Mercedes or even Renault, and they're stuck with them for three years or, or two years, at least if they're not very good, which I don't think will be the case. If that does happen, they've just got to write off 2021 and work with something else for 2022. So I can understand that. The problem is, from Honda's perspective, it's very much a Valdry Bottas situation where Bottas goes, well, OK, thank you for the extension. But if you believed in me, you'd have given me a three year extension. Why, why is it only one year? Honda can kind of look at the situation in a very similar way um, and be like, well, why isn't it 2022 2023 we've helped you along so much we've got you out of that horrible Renault contract we've it's a better relationship already why are you not more invested in us and our future um so yeah I can see it from that perspective but I do think overall this is a really good move um the Red Bull Honda partnership has actually gone much better this year than I thought it was going to um at least at the end of this year, it's it's really come on along leaps and bounds. And I said previously that just imagine a few years ago, Red Bull not only opting for Honda, but choosing them again for 2021 because it's a good choice for them. It seems crazy. Um, and with Red Bull, I think the most important thing is that they don't have a bad engine. I don't think they need a good engine. I don't think they need a good power unit. That's not how they get their wins. That's not who they are. They just need to make sure they have a power unit, which is sufficient enough to compete with the top guys. Their aerodynamics, their chassis will take care of the rest. They're that good. They've always been good at Monaco. They've always been good in low-speed corners. That's never been a problem for them. What's held them back previously is the Renault engine being A, too slow, and B, unreliable. Now they're getting together this this power unit, which is neither, and it's it, you know it's working for them already. And I, I know it's tough because they do usually end the season much better than they start it. But hopefully, for their sake, they carry it on into 2020. And this Red Bull Honda partnership—it's still very young. It's only going to grow. It's only going to get better. This relationship they have is so much different to the one they had with Renault, where it was such a, a buyer and seller mentality and nothing else, which is not the way you're going to beat 
Mercedes and Ferrari who do their own engines. Red Bull Honda is a partnership where they can be fully integrated into the team. And adding that extra year on is only going to increase that integration and increase that confidence. Yes, it could have been more, but it's still something. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great move from, from both parties. Um, Honda, I, I know, as you say, obviously, their reputation in Formula One going back a long way is very strong. So if they're not winning championships, that dampens that ever so slightly. But you have to remember a lot of people watching Formula One aren't going to have been watching at that time. And their only memories of Honda are going to be McLaren Honda times. So it's only going to improve on that reputation. I, I think this is a good move for both parties. That's a really interesting point of view that, of course, with those younger generation drivers who are going to be aware of the likes of Sanger and whatnot, probably won't be aware of, you know, McLaren, Honda, you know, all those kind of links that were going back on a long time ago. Um, you're right. It is going to be a growth of that reputation. All those old petrol heads who have loved Formula 1 since the good old days uh, going to um, maybe see this as a bit of a flip it upside on your baby. Um, what is interesting is I've just done a little bit of research, Ben, where you made your very valid point. Uh, Aston Martin, for their DB11, is sometimes supplied by Mercedes-Benz, but the majority of their engines are supplied by Ford. So, theoretically, there is a link there that Red Bull have access to Ford-manufactured equipment. Ford might want to come back into Formula 1. Who knows? It could be really interesting to see that change. Um, if, if it carries on the trajectory it is, though, why would Red Bull even bother to change? Honda's done a fantastic job. They're a brilliantly supportive team as well. They always have been. They've stuck it through some really tough times. I'm all for an RBR Honda relationship going a long way and maybe winning a championship in the next few years. I'd love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And the power unit differences now are much more marginal than they were at the beginning of the hybrid era. Um, and I think other factors are, are more important for Red Bull than, than having a really sufficient power unit that beats everyone else um moving on to robert kubitzer um of course it's his final race this weekend um making his comeback this year um he will unless something happens with george russell getting in the points he will end up beating his teammate which might be the least representative result in the history of formula one but i'm sure he'll take it um coming out this week saying that he's proven his critics wrong in 2019. Sam, do you agree? This is tough to say proving his critics wrong. It's tough for many reasons, and one that's completely out of his control to start with. Uh, the Williams car has been the worst car we've seen since the HRT times, you know, catering being in the sport. Um, I just feel like they are so uncompetitive that all that Kubica has had to put himself up against is George Russell. He is going to lose currently to George Russell on qualifying 21 to nil. We've only ever seen that once. And that's Alonso versus Van Dorn, an absolute whitewash. That is a little bit embarrassing. I have to be honest. Uh, Kubica at the start of this season was a bit of a mess. Um, no DNS, of course, but managed to put it in the wall a couple of times. He was struggling around Australia. If you're going to talk about the man's recovery, his physicality, his, his mental strength, then I cannot take any more hats off to that man. The ability to have your arm almost ripped off its socket and you've still managed to build your strength, your credibility, to prove everyone wrong, to get back into a Formula One car and race for a whole season straight around tracks like Singapore, Monaco, Silverstone. You know, it is an incredible feat in terms of his actual physical ability. In terms of his racecraft, I think he needs something a little less intense, like a DTM, which is an option. Um, I don't think 
he's succeeded in the way he would want to have succeeded in his final season of Formula One. But in terms of his actual comeback, in terms of a physicality type of thing, I am generally proud to see Robbie Kubica come back for a season. I'm glad he did it because it really shows true strength for the for the guy. And we all love him. We all love Bobby Kay. He's a decent bloke. So I'm, I'm glad that he made it happen. Yeah, I think in terms of proving his critics wrong, um, it entirely it's entirely dependent on what those critics are saying. If it's a case of critics saying he can't do Formula One, yeah, he's proven them wrong because he's done it for a whole season. He's done every single circuit, including the most demanding ones. Um, you know, he's never had to retire from a race through not physically being able to complete a race. And there were people who doubted that. So he has proven them wrong, absolutely. Um, but if he's talking about people who have said he's not going to be able to effectively compete in Formula One, he hasn't proven those people wrong. I mean, he, as brutal as it sounds, he hasn't been very good. Um, and yes, it's difficult. He's been in the Williams, but he has had George Russell to compare himself to. And if you can't out-qualify him once, then... You're, you're just not quite at the standard that you need to be. And Robin Kubica is an immense talent. You know, he was he was likened to the talents of Hamilton and and Vettel and Alonso back in his uh, sort of BMW days. And he he was a great talent. He was a great talent, no doubt. It's just not there anymore. And and that's completely fair. He's got a an incredibly valid reason as to why it's not. But the thing is, this season has been a success for Robert Kubica, and it was a success the second that race started in Australia. Getting to this point, that was the journey, that was the whole success. Success or failure was based on whether he made it to Formula One. What he's done in Formula One, he hasn't had a great season. But does it matter too much? He's been in the Williams, so it's not as if he's costing them points. He's he's given it a go. Fair play to him. Uh, the courage that he's displayed is, yeah, it, he has displayed immense courage and he deserves a lot of respect. Um, and, you know, he's not going, he's probably not going completely. So, yeah, fair play, Robert. Fair play. Yeah, completely agree with you. Fair play. And you're, you're right. He hasn't cost one of his points. In fact, he's managed to get them their only point. Um, George Russell will be forever angry in his dressing room, I imagine, at that point, because significantly the better driver. But, Bobby Kay, it's almost like watching a real-life film unfold, isn't it? It's like this journey started. He was this young, immense talent. We all tipped him to maybe be a world champion, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It was so exciting watching him. After that massive crash in Canada, he walked away, and we still thought, yes, it can happen. Bobby Kay will be a champion. Goes away, ruins it for himself, so to speak, in that awful, life-threatening crash. And then the years of building and building and building this one dramatic moment, and he's got it done. So... Fair play to him. He, he can, he's done himself proud and he can come away from this season, pat himself on the back. Okay, here we go. Final topic. This this is a, this is a good this is a good one. So Eddie Jordan, our favourite Formula One person. I, I think we agree. The, the best. I love him. Oh, none. Um, he's had something to say about Nico Rosberg. Um, and that he retired at the correct time, saying that he wouldn't be able to compete with Hamilton as he's improved since Rosberg has retired. Sam, opening a can of worms. <laughs> yes, do you agree with him? No, don't you agree with him? So, Eddie Jordan has come out with some ridiculous statements in his time. And I, I generally am a big fan of, of EJ. I really like him as a personality. I love what he did for the sport. He was almost the last 
lone man to go at it in terms of running his own team. And good God, did he create some fantastic liveries. But that is the past and this is the present. Uh, Eddie Jordan has 100% correctly stated that Nico Rosberg walked away at the right moment. Nico Rosberg managed to frustrate Lewis Hamilton more than anyone has ever frustrated Lewis Hamilton. He's gone up against Fernando Alonso. And Alonso got under his skin. But Hamilton walked away a victor in that. Uh, it took a few seasons, but Rosberg eventually beat Lewis Hamilton. Pretty much the only person to do so in a World Championship fight in the same machinery. Um, Jenkinson Busting obviously did manage to get the better of him in the McLaren on that one season. But um, I've never seen Lewis Hamilton more frustrated in a race car than in Abu Dhabi, the year that Rosberg takes home his title. And he's driving around at a third of the speed an F1 car can go, going, I'm just trying to win the championship, man. I'm just trying to stop. I'm just trying to do something to get Rosberg to muck it all up because he's beaten me. Rosberg had his best season in Formula One at that point. He proved that he was a good driver. And some people call him a bit of a coward. Some people say he was a bit scared. Some people say he never wanted to not be a champion. He walked away. And I think that Lewis Hamilton come the next season, which was a bloody good season for Lewis Hamilton. I think he would have absolutely wiped the floor with Nico Rosberg. And I think he would have done it again the next season. And I think he would have done it the season after. I don't think Nico Rosberg has a hoping hell, especially when you've aggravated Lewis Hamilton. It's like a wasp's nest. You walk up to it, it's like, oh, it's fine. Fine, don't poke it. It's fine. Nico Rosberg hit it with a bat. And I generally think that he would have been mortified at the coming years. So yeah, Rosberg stepped away at the right time. I don't think... I don't know if he even had to stay at the team after the friction that they had. They weren't going to keep Rosberg over Hamilton. The talent was clearly obviously different. So Rosberg maybe would have had to have gone somewhere else or been kicked out of it. Tough when you've got two world champions in your team, I suppose. But for me, Eddie Jordan, 100% right. Rosberg leaves at the right time. I agree for a different reason. I think he moved away from the sport at the right time because it was the right time for him. He wanted to go away and do different things. He decided that his time was up in Formula One. And you're right in saying Hamilton would have wiped the floor clean with him because his heart would not have been in it. And if your heart is not in it against Hamilton, it's not going to happen for you. So I think he moved away from the sport at the right time in that sense. If he's not feeling it 100%, there's no point carrying on. And I really dislike people who call him a coward for moving away from formula one i think it's a stupid argument he is a person he is able to do whatever he wants he's a free rosberg he can go (laughs) away and spend time with his family as he stated if he wants formula one as has been proven this year uh motorsport in general is a dangerous sport moving away from it is completely understandable it's completely acceptable and I don't accept anyone calling him a coward. He walked away a world champion. He walked away on his terms. However, if his heart was still in it, slightly hypothetically here, I don't think there's any way to say he would have been dominated by Hamilton if his heart was still in it. Yes, Hamilton has kicked on the last three years. I would I would definitely agree that 17, 18, 19 have been better for Hamilton than 14, 15, 16. But there's no way to say that Rosberg wouldn't have gone through exactly the same thing of upping his game. Rosberg was under Hamilton's skin. Rosberg could get results against Hamilton. He he had that last step that Bottas currently doesn't have. And I don't I can't say for certain that that would have disappeared. Maybe maybe Rosberg would have plateaued 
and Hamilton would have kicked on. That's entirely possible. But I think it's equally as possible that Rosberg would have kicked on and we would still be getting the two of them fighting for championships tooth to nail going to the last race of the season. So um, I think it was the right time for him to move away, but for personal reasons, not for Formula One reasons. Yeah, fair, totally fair argument. And you're right. You shouldn't call someone a coward when they're not even there to defend themselves. There's no hypothetical situation that you can create that allows them to go, hang on a minute, you're not me. You don't know what's going on. And Rosberg won that championship. You know, whatever argument you want to bring up, reliability, whatnot, Rosberg was there. He's got talent. Yeah, he's a bit annoying at times with his explosive memes and him doing a funny pose on his YouTube videos. Is his career over? Was Rosberg's career over? Was Hamilton's career going to be over if he stayed around? Generally, Rosberg was a great character to have in F1. He still is. He provokes a lot of attention. And I liked seeing him on the track. Um, but yeah, he, he deserves to be with his family. He deserves to go and follow new things. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Sebastian Vettel goes and does the same thing at some point. Uh, of course, very old school, very dedicated to his family as well. So, who knows? But I think Rosberg did the right thing. He had a really solid career. He did himself proud. So, yeah, fair play to Nico. And on an entertainment front, I mean, uh, Rosberg and Hamilton, that was pretty epic to watch. And uh, I, I don't want to say that Formula One at the top is too nice after Rosberg has gone. But there is such a respect between Hamilton and Vettel. And the young drivers coming through... Max, as an exception, I guess, are, are very well trained to not cause this any situations like they had. I feel like Rosberg still being in there would just add that bit of needle that, you know, Formula One's all about rivalries. I, I don't, you know, I think he's very entertaining. Completely agree. I mean, that, how, how many races could you pick out of a bag where I was on the edge of my seat? And there are only two cars that could win that race. Talk about Bahrain, that incredible scene in Bahrain where they must have overtaken each other. God knows how many times. At least three, four times a lap. What an incredible race. Austria, where they had the damage at the end of it. Spain, where they took each other out. There are so many incredible moments between those two drivers. And I don't think Bottas is ever going to be capable of bringing it to Hamilton like Rosberg did. Even if he maybe goes on to win a championship, I don't think it'll be done the same way that Rosberg managed to do it. Rosberg was a clever, clever man. And he managed to be one of the few people to really frustrate Lewis Hamilton out of his game. Bottas, throw your cap at Hamilton. That's where it will all start. So that's where it <laughs> Um, but that's enough career advice for Valtteri Bottas and I think enough for this episode Sam can you get us out of here please well Rosberg fan Hamilton fan or whatever fan you want to be maybe a calling fan that would be Carter nice Kayen. Carter yeah the cucumber shout out for the win sorry <laughs> uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to watch us if you have enjoyed it leave a like if you want to see more please subscribe in the meantime I've been Samuel Sage and I've been Ben Hocking and remember keep breaking late Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.